Welcome to the 613 Marriage Podcast, where we discuss all things related to marriage from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Megan, and with me is my co-host, Rob. And in each episode, we explore the joys and challenges of marriage and offer practical advice and insights to help you build a strong and healthy marriage that honors Yahuwah. So whether you're driving in your car, doing household chores, or just taking a break, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for another episode of the 613 Marriage Podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode about what to expect in a marriage. First up, you should expect to grow old together. In order to understand the purpose of marriage, we need to go back to Genesis and take a look at chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. Genesis 2, verse 18 through 24. And Yahuwah Elohim said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, Yahuwah Elohim formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto the man to see what he would call them. And whatsoever the man called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And the man gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for the man there was not found a helpmeet for him. And Yahuwah Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which Yahuwah Elohim had taken from man, made he a woman." and brought her unto the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his woman, and they shall be called one flesh. So, as you can see from Genesis, it was meant for a man to be with a woman, not multiple women, not multiple husbands, one and one. From those verses, we can learn a lot about how Yah functions, in particularly towards Israel. He calls Israel his wife, right? If you read Revelation and the woman was with child, you know, then that serpent, that old serpent, was waiting to devour the child as it gave birth. You can understand the purpose, how important marriage is to Yah. So without Genesis, I don't think we can understand what purpose a woman was made for. And it's not in the connotation, the negative connotation the world thinks of it, as we can see from the world today, when he says that, you know, the most I saw the man was lonely, and let's make him uh, help me. Now, you have to understand, the Bible wasn't written for the world in the beginning. The Tanakh was meant for the Israelites. So the, the language here is kind of difficult to understand. Because modern day has taught us a lot of garbage, you know, and I'm pretty sure you can see it out there. So when it when it says uh, "help me," it doesn't mean that the woman is lesser than the man. Because if you look at the world today, we wouldn't procreate without the woman. So women are important. We are equally in the eyes of God, but in the order of how things should be, the man is always ahead of the woman. Because in the beginning, Adam didn't come from any ovaries. Uh, Excuse me for using that word. But it's the truth. 
the man didn't come from woman. The woman came from man. And that's why Adam says, hey, this is my flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, meaning they are one. This actually highlights what marriage should be in modern days, not what we have going on today, all the garbage that is out there. Yah made man to be with a woman so they can fulfill the earth with children and take care of the earth forever. That was before the fall. So Yah's plan was to have the both of them taking care of the Garden of Eden and procreate forever and live happily ever. So from this we can expect to grow all together because that's what Yah wanted from the beginning. And I'm not sure why today we have so much divorces going on because when you say those vows, they're meant to be kept forever. You know, they're not to be played around. So we see just from reading Genesis, we get that everlasting covenant between a man and a woman, and that's how it should be. You know, people have made marriage to be like a Netflix subscription, 30-day trial. No. <laughs> when you get married to someone, it's a choice, number one. Second of all, love comes after. Because love is a choice. And love is a language that requires no words but action. So if you have words and no actions, it love is the same thing as faith. You can't have faith without works. You can't love someone without actions. And what are these actions? I happen not to be able to do some things and my wife does them for me. Does it make me feel vulnerable sometimes? Yes. I'm like, ah, I wish I could do this on, my, on by my own. I mean, I could do it, but with a degree of difficulty. But that's the beauty of marriage. She's there to help me, and I'm there to help her. We are a team, a team of two with some extras. You know, we got, <laughs> we got some extras that we need to uh, raise. But all glory to Yah, you know. Yahuwah just made marriage perfect, man, and it's sweet if you live it the correct way and the proper way. Don't be selfish, you know. Just think, just expect to grow to all together because that's how it was designed from the beginning. Next up, you should expect loyalty. This one is is huge, in my opinion. Loyalty is an expectation and not just an option in marriage. Both man and woman need to be loyal. Loyalty in a marriage should be characterized after the love Yah has for the church. And I have a couple Bible verses to read for you guys that coincide with loyalty in marriage. First, I'm going to read Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of Elohim and man. I'm also going to read you another verse from Proverbs. Proverbs 5, verses 15. Drink waters out of your own cistern and running waters out of your own well. I think this emphasizes that you are supposed to be drinking water from your own, your own cistern, as in you are to be loyal to your spouse and your spouse only. If you're loyal in your relationship with Yah, then you are much more likely to be loyal in your relationship with your spouse. I think these things coincide and are extremely important in having a successful marriage. 
you will not have a successful marriage without loyalty. What's that one Chris Brown song? I mean, if people in the world can see that, <laughs> they could, if they can make songs that some people are not loyal, it goes both ways, not just whoever is mentioned in that song, but it tells you that loyalty is something big. And to, to go back to Proverbs 15, or Proverbs 5 rather, to drink from your sister means, for men actually, it's go one woman, not this. You know, we have some people that are in the world preaching that it's okay to dip your dipstick in every hole that you see before you commit to someone. That is heresy. Testing the water. Oh yeah, testing the waters, they say. That is heresy. Bad doctrine. If you look at when the Pharisees asked Yahusha, they say, hey man, um, Moshe taught us that uh, we can divorce our wives and give them a certificate of divorce. What do you think about that? And he turned around and looked at them and said, hey, from the beginning, it wasn't meant to be like that. It was meant to be a man and a woman. That's it. That's why even Paul um, reiterate again that a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and become one flesh. One. There's no way you can, three people can become one flesh. You know, two and two, I mean, one and one becomes one in under God's eyes. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was thinking about Noah and the He's talking about a double date over there. <laughs> no, that's not the way I'm talking about that. What I meant to be, what I meant to say is that you know you're supposed to be with your spouse, one spouse, and you love them dearly and be loyal to them. Next up, this hottie has a hot take. Oh, or that hot. <laughs> I don't know who she's talking about, but hey, here's my hot take, man. Things about men, man, we don't need love. We don't. Yeah, is that surprising? No. Probably for the women. No, men don't need love. Just right now, turn to your spouse, ask them, babe, would you rather me love you or would you rather me be loyal to you and respect you? Don't worry, I'll be here waiting to hear for your response. <laughs> if you if you're the real man, I'm not saying that all men are not, I mean there's some that are soft. But if you're with a man who's really all about being a man, he'll tell you I'll take the ladder. You can keep your love so long as you respect that man and be loyal to him. He will take a bullet for you. That's how important it is. Because it's it works the other way around. Men are supposed to love their women. That's how it works. Am I saying that women shouldn't love their men? No, absolutely, absolutely not. So don't go crazy with your Twitter fingers. What I mean by that is, men in general, it's their nature to care for their women. Because after all, that's why they're working hard. They're not working hard for themselves. I never met a man who's saying, oh, I'm working all this hard so I can enjoy all this money by myself. They are working that to build a future with someone. And I said, person, so happens there's some requirements from the man. Being loyalty and occasional sex. <laughs> well, not occasional, <laughs> but sex. I don't think he meant occasional. <laughs> I think he meant regular. Cooking for the man, respecting him, um, cherishing him. Women, if you're listening to this, try this. If your man is at work right now, if your husband is at work, tonight when he gets home, when he walks through that door, take off his coat or whatever he's wearing, take off his shoes. Well, just just an experiment. Just try, you know. Make a routine with the kids. Make him feel comfortable. Make him feel he's the king. Let us know how go, how it goes, right? Tell me what his response is. 
Number one, he's going to be shocked if you've never done that before. Number one, he's going to be like, man, something just changed in my wife and see if he doesn't love you more. Just try. Try treating him like a king and see what happens. Now, I'm not saying be a slave. That's not what I mean because some people will be like, oh, I can know. What I'm meaning is like be, genuinely do it out of love. Don't do it because I said it. Do it out of love. But I'm asking you to experiment. Experiment in a few days. Just show kindness to your man by showing him that he's a king of the jungle. Or just acts of service, small acts of service. There are so many things that take you less than five minutes, really, of your day that you can do for your husband that make a big difference. I always set out my husband's clothes. After he gets home from the gym to take a shower, I set out his towel, set out a washcloth, and set out his clothes. Takes me a little, not even a minute, really. And I won't, I won't lie to you guys. I beat my chest when I'm in the shower. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's just small but, things. But that makes me happy. Like it, it makes me realize what I have, you know. It's a blessing. And it, it makes it easy to even, you know, be comfortable in the marriage where you can talk to your wife about something that you don't like. Now, I know I don't have a filter, but you know, I'm working on it. But seeing the kindness from my wife, it doesn't make me feel like, you know how sometimes you walk in, in a relationship, you're, you walk in in eggshells? That's not how I feel. I feel respected and wanted to be in this family. So do my kids. They do the same. Not that we've taught them to do that. They just see how our marriage is and they expect to see their love. Like, for instance, when I kiss my wife, my son, my, my uh, second youngest son, he's always looking at, to see what I do. Do I hug her or do I kiss her? When I kiss her, it claps, you know? It's certain things you just do and you don't realize it. You know, just try to treat your man like a king. Just try it and see what happens. He'll love you more. Not, not that he doesn't love you right now, but I'm just saying he's going to put more effort into catering for you because you're going to be like, hey, my wife loves me. She does this for me. Like He's going to be proud if he's not already proud, you know? But all that kind of pride that brings a man down, no. It's just, you bring the love down, like you show your kids, you emulate what your kids should grow up to be like. If they see you doing it for your husband, when they grow up, they will do the same for their husbands. And men, do the same. Love your wives, man. Do good to them. Do good by them. Treat them right. And your kids will do the same thing for their future spouses if you are willing should they have spouses. Or your daughters will have expectations of a man that they should rightly have. Correct. It works both ways. Okay, let's do this hard text thing again. I went off of topic here. Men don't need love. They need respect, regular relations in the bedroom. You cook for them. And sometimes you tone down your voice. You don't talk too much. Because if the man is coming from work and he's tired, give him some room to... Decompress. Decompress, yeah. And then you can start going on about your day. So remember, men don't really need love. It's not about it's not love that keeps us from that keeps us in a marriage or in a relationship. It's the respect, loyalty. Yeah. Respect, loyalty. Food and sex. Yeah, food and sex, yeah. In any particular order, by the way. So <laughs> sex doesn't have to be last. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. You know, we said in our first episode that um, some women like to joke around. Say, oh, he doesn't touch me. But the woman is going in bed with a robe, yoga pants, whatever. I don't know anyone who actually sleeps like that. 
Who can sleep like that? You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you need to go to Kenya and see how women go to bed. Men over there complaining that men, women are wearing yoga pants, robes, and whatnot. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyways, that's my hot take. And um, let's move on to something else here. All right. Lastly, you should expect blessings in the form of children. Oh, yeah. We got plenty of those. I've been so happy to be blessed with six kids. I know, I know. Before you shout, oh, my goodness, <laughs> six kids. We've been, first of all, let's just go to Genesis one twenty eight because I don't want someone saying, ah, he had too many kids. So blessings in the form of children. This is a very exciting topic to me. We have six children and we love them dearly. Now, I know some of you might be like, that's a lot of children, but hey, let's take a look at Genesis one twenty eight. Can you read that for us? Genesis 1, verse 28. And Elohim blessed them, and Elohim said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Please tell me what it means by be fruitful. I mean, we are not trees, so we can't bear fruits. We bear children. Now, I'm not saying this in a kind of mean way or cocky way, but we've been blessed. I call them blessings. And I'll tell you a story. It's not like we planned for six kids. As a matter of fact, that last one wasn't our choice. Y'all just decided, y'all ain't got enough children. And I don't, for a point there, I didn't understand why. But now that I'm in the truth and I'm reading more, I understand his purpose of us having children because one day I went home found my wife crying didn't know what was wrong I had my own issues I just got fired that morning imagine going to work sitting on your desk and then your boss says hey I need you in the office I'm like man I just got here and he's like hey bro can't afford you anymore not two weeks notice nothing you know go back home that's what I did then I opened the door and your wife is crying. And I'm like, okay, where do I begin? So I went in and I heard her reasons why she was crying. She said she's pregnant. Um, I didn't know what to say. I just comforted her and waited for her to calm down. Then about noon, when she was like, hey, I accept it. Because first of all, you got to understand, she was on birth control. And that didn't stop me from saying, hey, I'm going to put a baby in you. Not only that, we had a one-year-old and a baby. Matter of fact, I was holding said baby and crying. The funny thing is, we went for a long time without having kids, and then they just came back to back like championship <laughs> teams. <laughs> it was like the Lakers in 2000, just back to back. But this last one was hard. I got fired, got a one-year-old. You know, so I told my wife that and we couldn't see a way of how we made it. But hey, man, the most high works in a lot of mysterious ways. We went about a span of eight months. None of us had jobs. And guess what? All our bills were paid. We didn't lack anything. We never got an eviction notice. Basically, we didn't need anything. And we never borrowed. We never went to debt. I remember one time we were going to this church and they like to give testimonies. And when I got a f job offer, 
I, you know, I stood up and I was giving my testimony that that Monday before before I got the job offer, I had only ten dollars in my account, and the car had empty. They had the light was on, <laughs> and I didn't know how I was gonna make it. But hey, I, I, even today, it's still a mystery. I don't know how we made it. I don't remember how we made it, but we did. Why am I saying bringing up this story? Because today, man, my kids, they they make our, we don't go out. We don't have friends that come over or we go over to them. And the ones that do, you know, it's like once a year. Our family is just different. We haven't found another family that has the same values as we do and raise their children the way we want to raise ours. So our family is composed of me, my wife, and our kids. And we make our own rules and fun. And our kids are the most... And I'm not saying this, you know, every parent says that their kid has the best. Now, if you if you happen to live close by us and you go to the library and you watch my kids play with other kids, you see how kind they are. Now, other kids are jerks. I'm sorry, they are. Yeah, they're just little kids. But if your kid is taking a toy from another kid and then follows that said kid and taking another toy from them or trying to knock the other kid out, yeah, your kid is a jerk. Our kids don't do that. They respect other kids. They invite them to play with them. As a, matter, as a matter of fact, my son likes to call everybody he meets out there in the library my friends. If you we know? go and they're busy, he says, I have lots of friends today, Mom. You know? Yeah. He's just... The, our kids are different, right? Am I saying they're going to be like this forever? Heck no. I know teenage years are coming. They might be jerks too. But I pray they not become jerks. No, jerks. Because I pray that what I'm doing today as a parent or what we are doing as parents today, we're going to raise them knowing the word of Yah and they're going to be respectful and stay in the word. Now, I say all this to bring up Psalms 127 verses 3 because this will just give you the reasoning why you should always be happy for having kids. I know they're not every... It's a challenge raising kids. It's not always you know, 100% happiness. Sometimes you get frustrated and whatnot. But let's see what Psalms 127 verses 3 says. Psalms 127 verse 3. Lo, children are a heritage of Yahuwah, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. See, the fruit of your womb is your reward. You should be happy for having kids. Now, for those who can't have kids... You know, all I can say is that pray to the Most High. He might open up your womb and give you thy fruit of thy womb and, you know, bless you. And, you know, I pray that those those prayers come true. Or maybe he even has another purpose for you in adopting many of these children out here who need a good home and to be raised in his will and his word. Yeah. Key emphasis on raising in Yah's will and his word. Because remember, somewhere in Proverbs, I forget where it says, raise a child the way you want them to be, to turn out. If you raise them loving Yah, keeping his commandments and laws and statutes, statutes, then that kid will be a joy in your old age. You might not see it right now, but imagine your parents right now, they're fragile if you're of a certain age. And they, 
they they are pr- they are proud that they have children. You know, it's it's one of those things that when you see grandparents spoiling their grandkids, it's not because they want to punish you for what you did to them. It's the joy of seeing that their kids have grown up and they've had other kids. So it's a blessing. It's a blessing to them, and how that's how I view it. You know, but anyways, um, do you want to tell them a story? Or your reasoning why you regret, you know, your tubes being tied? So I had got my tubes removed after our sixth child was born. And I did that because at the time I had a child three years in a row and I just felt overwhelmed and like we had our hands full, to be honest. So I made the decision to get my tubes removed Basically because, obviously, I had gotten pregnant on birth control. So I wasn't sure whether that was going to be a good option moving forward. That was before I had really got on this journey into the truth. And now that I'm on this journey and I see how much having children means to Yah, I feel bad. I, re- I regret the decision because instead of me deciding that I thought we were done having children, I should have let Yah decide how many children we can handle. Because at the end of the day, he doesn't give us more than we can handle. And I greatly enjoy and love all of the children that we have. Well said. I mean, we love our children. Sometimes I, <clears throat> even though they're growing old, I don't want them to leave the house. I know I tell them at 18 you get to step, but I just say that to motivate them to do better. But I might invoke what Ephesians 6, 4 says. You want to read that to us? Yes. Ephesians 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of Yahuwah. So you see, if you do not provoke your kids to, like there are some parents out there, they're just out to get their kids. Like there's this video my wife showed me once on YouTube. And um, it, it was when the kid was told, hey, you know, did you clean the bathroom? And it was like, I already did. And the parent would go back, hey, did you do your laundry? I already did. And I think he asked something else. And he was, Are you getting smart with me? But the kid actually did the work, you know, and the parent couldn't believe it. So he, it's supposed to be a uh, rhapsody. What are those called again? Those comedy. I'm not sure. But the point of it was that the parent was looking for something to get on the child yeah. about. But the child had anticipated what his chores were and what needed to be done and had already done them. So you see there the parent was being the jerk. And that's what Ephesians 6, 4 is talking about. Do not provoke your children to wrath, you know, but rather raise them to the admonition of the Most High. Admonition meaning raise them according to the laws and statutes of the Most High. Teach them His ways and you'll have a better way or a better future for your kids. If they learn at a little age, when they grow up, you won't have to worry about if they're making the right decisions or not. As a matter of fact, they come to you and ask you, hey, you know, I'm going through this. Can you guide me through it? You know? 
So all in all, marriage is a major life decision and we should all enjoy it and make sure that, you know, we do our best to raise our children. What I'm trying to say is, yeah, purposefully put marriage in our lives so that we can procreate the world. And it's also a symbolism of his relationship with his people, Israel. Now, the Hamites and the Gentiles, we are just grafted in. But that's a story for a different day. We thank you for joining us today and hope that you tune in for our next episode. Shalom.